Chapter Twenty Eight of the Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge by Herbert Carter. Chapter Twenty Eight. Home Again. Conclusion. The mountain hike had come to an end. One and all, the Boy Scout declared that they had seen about enough of this wild country of the Blue Ridge, and would be glad to turn their steps toward dear old Cranford. They believed they could find other ways to enjoy themselves that offered better inducements than climbing the sides of mountains with suspicious moonshiners watching their every move. Of course, now that old Finn Daddy had taken them under his protection, they had no reason to fear any bodily harm and what that had done for Cliff Dory must go pretty far toward making them friends among the ignorant mountain people. But because old Finn meant to desert his former calling for one that would have the sanction of the law, did not mean that moonshine stuff would not continue to be made up in the dells back of the trail in the Smoky Ridge. There are many others who knew no other means for making a slim livelihood than by cheating the government of the heavy tax it placed on strong drink. So the scouts decided, by a unanimous vote, they had seen enough of these parts, and would hail with delight in order to turn their backs on it. All besides, they did not know that both Bob and his father would be fairly wild to hasten to the waiting mother and wife in that northern home. They made their start as soon as they could get in marching order. Polly and her father accompanied them through the mountains. This was considered best, lest some suspicious moonshiner think it his duty to take a pot shot or two at those figures far down the valley, wearing the khaki uniform he hated. At every cabin they passed, the old natives swarmed out to see the strange sight of old Finn walking amicably by the side of the boy soldiers as they supposed the scouts to be. Once or twice there was an ugly demonstration. Some of the natives fancying that the mountaineer must have surrendered and was be carried off to jail. It took considerable explaining to get these people to understand the truth about things, and that Finn was on the best of terms with these boys. Finally he dared to go no further, because as yet he did not know what success his agents, the drug men, had in Washington and there was danger of revenue men sighting him at any moment when the trouble would break out, since there had been war between them for so long. When the little party of scouts turned up again in Asheville, they found plenty to do there to keep them well over to another day. First of all, Mr. Quail underwent a complete transformation at the hands of a barber, for he declared he believed the sight of him in his present condition with such long hair and beard, would be enough to send his poor wife into a fit, or else have her drive him from the door as a pretender. And when he appeared before the scouts, decently dressed in a new suit, which Bob's money paid for, as he had none himself just then, Bumpus voiced the sentiments of the entire patrol when he declared that Mr. Quail was as fine-a-looking a gentleman as he knew. Of course, a message had been sent to Cranford to tell Bob's mother of the glorious result of his hike down in the Blue Ridge country, which they had once upon a time called home. It had to be very carefully worded, 
lest the shock to her nerves proved too great and another day father and son hoped to be once more with the one who would not sleep a wink until her own eyes beheld the love which she believed had gone from her life then there was that affair concerning little bertha to be considered great had been the indignation of mr quail when on examining the paper which bob had secured through the help of the girl he realized all the rascality that reuben sparks had been guilty of they held an interview with a well-known lawyer who on hearing the facts seeing the legal document advised them to leave it all in his charge i promise you that this party will be summoned to appear forthwith bringing his ward with him this legal gentleman had declared and once within the jurisdiction of the court it will be an easy matter to dispose of him indeed should he show fight we can have him sent up for a term of years with such a pleasant prospect before them did the scouts leave the old tar heel state they had come down here for an outing to see what bob had once called home but the tour had turned out to be more serious affair than any of them could ever have anticipated and now they were on their way home again filled with memories of the many events that had seasoned their brief stay in the land of the sky home to familiar scenes and to look upon faces that were again dear to them a jolly party they were on the train that bore them away toward the north bob and his father sat by themselves for they had thousand things to talk about that concerned only their private interests but the rest clustered at one end of the sleeper and eagerly reviewed the stories they would have to tell oh we'll have the greatest time ever just showing the fellers how we did it declared bumpus first of all we'll get giraffe to wade into a creek and explain how he was being pulled down by that sucking quicksand when the prompt arrival of the rest of the bunch saved his precious life you know i've always heard that when one's just born to be hanged there ain't no use trying to get rid of him by any other means which i guess stands for quicksand too that's mighty fine bumpus remarked giraffe unmoved by the laughter greeting the proposition but just think what a great stunt it'll be when we get davy jones here showing him what he can do dropping down head first into a bully old campfire and swimming in red coals that ought to bring down the house if we can only coax him to do it all over again not much it will declared said davy looking ruefully at sundry red marks on both his wrists that served to remind him of the accident oh once is enough for me and i'll tell you right now fellas if i ever do go climbing a tree again to exercise i'm going to be mighty careful i don't hang down over a blaze there's such thing as taking too many chances a burnt child dreads the fire sang out stubborn hello are you there old sobersides remarked giraffe pretending to be surprised now we all of us thought you might be busy writing it out your mind a treaty on how to be happy watching a tumble-bug try to roll his big ball uphill or else what lessons can be gained by watching the humble beetle in his never-say-die act of a gymnast but i've seen you got your badge right side up today all to the good stephen what wonderful stunt have you been pulling off now oh it didn't amount to much i guess fellows but then even a little speck of kindness counts they say remonstrated stephen i happen to know remarked thad breaking into the conversation i was just coming into that ordinary car when i saw our comrade doing himself proud 
Perhaps it is only a little thing for a boy to notice that a poor woman with three kids clinging to her skirt and a baby in her arm wants to get a bottle of milk warmed and doesn't know how just to manage it. Well, he offered to do it for her, but let me tell you that that poor tired mother said, thank you, my boy, just as if it meant a heap to her. Yes, Stephen, you had the right to turn your badge, and I only hope you find as good a chance to do it every single day as you did on this one. And Giraffe became suddenly silent. Perhaps something within him told him that he too had passed that same weary mother and if he thought anything at all at the time it was only wonder why a woman would be so silly as to travel with so many children well you see remarked stephen feeling that some sort of explanation was expected from him after the scoutmaster had given him the spotlight on the stage i got to talking with her afterwards and she told me that the children's pa had just died down south and she was on her way home to her mother's after hearing that, fellers, I wanted to do anything more I could for her. The poor thing, and I, I did jump off the last station and buy the kids some sandwiches. Because, you see, they didn't have a great lot to munch on. But it was worthwhile to watch them gobble the snack of chicken I got along with them, like they hadn't had a bite to eat this live-long day. Thad walked away satisfied that Stefan was proving his worth as a scout. That little lesson of the humble bug opened his eyes and touched his heart perhaps he might not change all at once for he was inclined to stumble and fall down when he had made good resolutions but the chances were he would see more in life than ever before and that is what a scout wants to do keep his eyes open all the while in order to notice many of the strange things that are happening every minute of the day all around him until he learned to do that which will give him the greatest treat that could possibly happen to anyone. Time was when Stephen might have passed that poor mother and never have given her a second thought. But it was different now, and the strange thing about it, in Thad's mind, was that an obscure little tumble-bug, one of the lowliest of all created things, could have succeeded in showing Stephen that he had a heart and that even a boy can find chances to do kindly acts if he looks for them. Well, said Bumpus, as they huddled together in a bunch, exchanging views and watching the mountains and valleys as they whirled past, if we could have the say right now where the Silver Fox Patrol would spend next vacation, where do you reckon it would be? Let's take a vote, suggested Stephen. That's the ticket, Mr. Secretary. Get eight ballots ready, and let's write first choice and second. Majority rules, and the patrol leader nodded in the direction of his chum Allen just as much as to say it was easy to guess what one vote would be. Count as I call out, Bob White. Here goes now. Maine, first choice, Rocky Mountain, second. Hurrah! cried Bumpus. Another from Maine, with the Saskatchewan country of Canada, second, Thad went on. But this comrade forgot that as American Boy Scouts, we do not want to spend our money in vacations in a foreign land. When the eight ballots had been counted, Strange to say, Maine was the first choice with every one, and the Rockies well in the lead as second. Move we make it unanimous, laughed Giraffe, which was duly done according to stature. Much good that will do with a whole year to wait, because it wouldn't pay to go up into Maine for only a Christmas week, grumbled Stephen. But strange to say, it was decreed in a most remarkable way 
that the wish expressed by the scouts should be made an actual fact and just how this came about the reader will find duly set forth in the third volume of this series entitled the boy scouts on the trail or scouting through the big game country in due time the scouts arrived at cranford station where their coming had been anticipated for the story of how the boys had found the missing husband of mrs quail had somehow gotten around since cranford had its gossips one of these happened to be calling on the lady at the time bob's telegram arrived of course its nature was such as to give mrs quail a shock though she quickly recovered but there had been ample time for the visitor to glance at the message between dabs at the face of the fainting lady with a handkerchief wet with cologne and that was how the news got out look at the crowd would you gasped bumpus as he poked his head out the door and saw what seemed to his excited imagination about the whole of cranford filling the home station and craning necks in the endeavor to be the first to glimpse the resurrected father of bob quail hurry for the boy scout someone called out they were given with a rush and a roar that brought other passengers hurrying to the windows of the cars to see what popular hero it could be arriving home to excite such a tremendous demonstration hurrah for thad brewster called the second schoolboy as the young scoutmaster stepped off the train carrying certain bundles that might be a haversack or a take-down shotgun another wave of applause went sweeping up from the crowd three cheers for bob quail and his dad shrilled yet another enthusiast upon which the echoes were fairly awakened by the racket the scouts fell into line and two and two marched along the station platform for mr quail had already taken his wife into his arms and they had retired to the interior of the little building in order to be less conspicuous when they talked about things bumpus sounded his bugle and the boys kept step as they walked along with heads up and feeling that they had gained the right to feel a bit proud after what they had gone through the crowd pushed after them still shouting and making a great clamor and from one of the car windows looked a bevy of childish faces back of which was the one of the tired mother stephen disobeyed the rules for one second only when he turned and waved his hand to the little friends on the train seeing which thad brewster said softly to himself i warrant you that little woman believes all this noise is meant for just one boy and he the fellow who was so kind to her because in her sight stephen is a real hero and this racket is meant especially for his homecoming end of chapter twenty eight recording by kenneth sergeant gagan end of the boy scouts in the blue ridge by herbert carter